Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, this is Chris. And today uh, we're gonna to talk about influencing behavior. From time to time in your life, as a leader or as a family member, you need to influence the behavior of other people. This is a rather tricky topic because it ultimately leads to the question of power. How do you get the power to influence another person's behavior? If you're working in um, a prison, the power to influence another person's behavior is automatic. Uh, once upon a time, business had the same structure as a prison. If your boss said you had to do it, you had to do it, and that was the end of that. And just like in a prison, there are rules, and just like in a prison, there were businesses that had rules. Now those rules are a little looser, and people have the right to their opinion because somebody introduced the idea of engagement. Engagement means you want to do what somebody tells you to do. So the world of influencing another person's behavior has become extremely complicated. However, I think if we go back to nature and we break it all down, it can be made much more simple. Let's start. The art of influencing another person's behavior begins with making a promise. The question will be, from that other person, is your promise believable? In other words, do they trust that you and the promises you make are true? For example, if you perform well in this business, I will give you a promotion. True or false? Well, it's true, but history has shown that if people really want to, you can work really hard for somebody who promised to give you a promotion, but they don't. So in some ways, the world of skepticism has entered into the realm of influence because time and time again, people have made promises and not been able to live them out. So first thing is we have to recognize that there is a promise and there is a person receiving a promise the promise, uh, the promiser, <laughs> you, are trying to get the promisee, them, to believe you. If you do this, I will give you that. <clears throat> if you do that, I will give you this. And they've got a healthy skepticism as to whether you can deliver. Uh, today, on the news, some companies have dismissed many more people. Some of them were employed for exactly three weeks before the dismissal. So the left hand of that company doesn't know what the right hand doing and somebody got burnt, the promisee. The promiseur didn't know what was going to happen. So when an organization or a leader in a business says, I hereby promise you something, they're lying because they can't. So the making of a promise has become a more difficult challenge for most people in the business environment. So people are working more short term. What does that mean? That means that the promises you make have to be more short term. The reward and punishment systems that are being offered to people are more short term. If you do this, I'll give you that on the spot. The second part of your promise is whether the person wants the thing you're promising. So for example, if you have a 13 or 14, 15 year old kid and you say, if you do this, this and this, I promise happiness. 
or if you do this, this and this, I promise to like you more. Or if you do this, this and this, I promise that you'll be a better person. But that individual that you're making the promise to may not, again, believe your promise. They may not even want your promise. They might want approval from a peer. And that is a totally different promise, isn't it? So we've come to two, two conclusions so far in our conversation. One, to influence a person's behavior, you have to make a promise. Uh, if you're in a jail, you have to make that promise a threat. If you're outside of a jail, that threat is not always a good motivational technique because the individual that you are threatening may not feel bound to you. They will be bound, however, by their mortgage and the paying off of their mortgage. And so they may be compliant to your face, but non-compliant behind your face. That's not the way to get people to do what you want. The second part of it is if you promise something, the person better want it. So if you promise approval or if you promise acceptance or if you promise to pat them on the top of the head, but what they want is peer approval or they want more fun or they want to run away from something and you promise the opposite or towards something, uh, they're not following. So the power of influence comes from a promise that promise is only as powerful as the trust the individual that you're promising it to has that you can actually deliver what you promise. And the third aspect of it is what you promising, does the person really want it? Now, it was really easy once upon a time when job uh, jobs were hard to get and therefore the income from the job is hard to get and all you did was promise, I'll pay you. And the person would do pretty much everything else you wanted because very much like a prisoner in a jail or a prisoner in a rowing boat, you said crack the whip and they rowed and you rewarded them with, their, in the old days, their life. And nowadays you reward them with um, money. And people have twisted this and said you reward them with satisfaction. You reward them with the Maslow hierarchy. It's pretty much rubbish at the end of the day. At the end of the day, individuals will only go towards what they intrinsically or extrinsically want. So your promises are only as good as the time frame in which the individual that you're making the promise to wants the thing you're offering. So promises or getting influencing people's behavior as a very, very much more amorphous. It, it moves around a lot. So there's some nature-based things we know. One, the promiser, you, the one who wishes to influence someone else's behavior, must have something they want. That's the first thing. The second thing is you must be able to give it to them. You have it what they want. The second thing is you can actually, and are willing to, give it over. If you have wealth, you give some wealth, you get some behavior. If you have beauty they want some beauty you can give a bit of beauty they'll follow you if you have a brand such as a cosmetic brand or a perfume you may have class or you may have social uh, 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 social status and you give social status in return for them releasing money into the into your coffers 
In nature, everything is competitive, everything. Everything is competing with each other. And so there's the influence of behavior. Um, for example, a tree wants the leaves on the tree branches to grow and the whole tree is, is thriving because each part of the tree is giving another part of a tree what it wants. But if ever that one part of the tree didn't want, it, for example, in a flood, uh, the tree doesn't want more rain, it's not going to be not going to stimulate excess growth. So you can oversupply, you can oversupply um, what somebody wants, and then they lose the value of it. So the supply demand curve becomes the critical thing that you go to, whether it's nature or it, like, for example, a lion, its, its behavior will be influenced chasing certain food if it doesn't have enough of it. But if it has too much, it'll just walk right on past. So the de supply demand curve, which we've heard about and talked about and really um, celebrated in business and in personal life since year dot, and it helps explain how nature works. Too much, no interest, lost value. Not enough, high value, more interest. And so getting this right in supply demand with family and friends, with uh, your business, with your brand, with your supplying your resources. For example, somebody who gives their time unconditionally and in excess, the value of their time is going down. But a person who gives their time in limited amount, but gives it when it's needed or wanted, the value of it goes up. And so the, our self-value goes up and down depending on supply and demand. Sometimes we oversupply. And the oversupply of caring, the oversupply of nurturing, the oversupply of uh, control um, means there's far too much control and the person's not wanting it anymore. And that will influence whether they do what you want. Um, if you have a team member in your team who's not doing what you want, it could be that they have an oversupply of confidence, an oversupply of uh, a guarantee of income. They have an oversupply. And so the value, even though it might be $1,000, the value of the $1,000 is going down by the surety of it. At the same token, if you make a person's role conditional and 100% conditional on this week's performance and there is no other job that they could go to, the value of the, the money you pay them goes up because you reduce supply. Now, once upon a time, it was really easy to understand all this because people couldn't move jobs easy. Now it's more of a, more like the tide, ebbing and flowing, ebbing and flowing. But I think it's really important for you at this point in time to understand this is how nature works. It's a competitive environment. Oversupply leads to reduction in demand. Undersupply leads to an increase in demand. Uh, if you supply something someone doesn't want, there is no demand at all. And if you supply something that people don't trust that you've got, then really there's no demand for it because there's no trust. I think understanding this is really important from one point of view, and that's understanding yourself. Because sometimes you want things from people, you really, really want it, and they don't give it. And therefore the value of it goes up, and so you become more hungry to control them, more hungry to get their affection, more hungry for them, 
because you want it so badly. And I think the most important thing here is to learn and understand the laws of nature so you understand abundance and you don't get caught up in the supply-demand competitive nature with people that you really cherish. And once that happens, the supply-demand thing becomes relationship push and shove. Independence and in self-sufficiency means you arrive full. There's no demand. That means your behavior can't be influenced. When your behavior can't be influenced, you become a leader. When you become a leader, you really can help others supply and demand, help others understand the curve. And I think if we just cut away from all these surveys and all these studies on engagement, empowerment and all these things and start understanding our role in the supply and demand in our lives, we will understand the true power that we've been blessed with through abundance. This is Chris. You have a great day. Bye for now.